Section 15 of The History Teacher's Magazine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The History Teacher's Magazine, Volume 1, Number 2, October 1909, Section 15, Fowler's Social Life at Rome. Social Life at Rome in the Age of Cicero. Fowler's recent work reviewed by Professor A. C. Howland. This book on Roman social life in the last generation of the Republic, by the well-known author of The City-State of the Greeks and Romans, and Other Studies in Ancient History, will be welcomed by teachers both of Roman history and of Latin. No other study in English deals with just this aspect of the period, and the easy style and interesting method of presentation make the work especially valuable as collateral reading for classes. Its material has been drawn largely from Cicero's correspondence, and the results of widely scattered investigations have here been brought together and digested. The first chapter is devoted to the topography of Rome. After a statement of the principal geographical causes for the growth of Roman dominion, pages 4 through 8, there follows, pages 12 through 23, a description of the main points of interest within the walls in Cicero's day, the account being noteworthy alike for its clearness and for its omission of details. A good map at the end of the book enables the reader to fix each feature of the city accurately. The second chapter, on the lower population, is perhaps the most interesting in the book, as it deals with a topic seldom discussed and on which our information is very meager. The subject is discussed under three heads. How this population was housed, how it was fed and clothed, and how it was employed. Notwithstanding the contempt felt by the writers of the period for the lower classes, Mr. Fowler makes it evident that an understanding of their environment will explain many an obscure point in the history of the period. Why, for instance, had the old Roman religion fallen into such decay at the close of the Republic? We naturally look for skepticism among the cultured, where the old traditions have been undermined by the sudden influx of wealth and Greek culture, but not among the poor and ignorant. Who could have been little touched by such influences. But when we consider the tenement houses in which the poor lived, with whole families occupying but one or two rooms, pages 28 through 32, it can be seen that there is no place here for the penates or the family hearth, that the old domestic rites, which constituted the Roman religion so far as it affected the individual, were of necessity driven out and that the poorer classes were forced to satisfy their religious cravings 
by substituting the gregarious, non-family oriental cults, with their common temples and services. Here the worshippers could enter into personal relations with the deity, as they could not in the indigenous Roman temple, which had to do solely with the state's worship. The only other point around which the personal religious feeling of the old Roman clung, the family tomb, likewise no longer existed for the poor Roman of the city, who could not afford this luxury, but must see the members of his family cast into a common burying place with many others. Page 320 As to the employment of the lower classes, it is pointed out that in spite of the contempt for retail trade and the crafts, a feeling similar to that of the higher classes in England, and due to the same causes, there were many callings at which free Romans must have worked at this time, including milling and baking, market gardening, shoemaking, the making and washing of woolen clothing, etc. Pages 42 through 55. But the inadequacy of legal protection for the poor and the uncertainty of employment made a regular income precarious. In Chapter 3 there is given an excellent description of the activities and business organizations of the equites and their capacities both as public contractors, pages 65 through 80, and as private businessmen, pages 80 through 94, which throws much light on the sources of wealth and the financial methods of this class. The following chapter on the governing aristocracy attempts to classify the various types of the nobility and to illustrate each by a brief sketch of some one of its members the attitude of the old and new nobility towards each other the effects for good and for evil of the greek culture on the various classes and the frivolity and absence of the sense of responsibility among the younger public men are well brought out the lively description of coelius the talented but scatter-brained young friend and pupil of cicero pages one twenty seven through thirty three is one of the most interesting passages of the book after thus taking up the different classes of the roman population the author proceeds to discuss the more general aspects of life of the day under such headings as marriage and the roman lady education of the upper classes the slave population the house of the rich man in town and country daily life of the well-to-do holidays and public amusements and religion the treatment throughout is fresh and vivid except in the chapter on public amusements which is rather uninteresting under the subject of marriage after a discussion of the decay of that institution and the increase of divorce and immorality we are especially grateful for the story of the long and beautiful wedded life as found in the so-called laudatio torre and now told in full in English for the first time, pages 158 through 67. There must have been similar cases of domestic devotion and happiness, but they naturally pass unmentioned in the writings of the time, as they largely do in the literature of our own day. The discussion of Roman education is valuable, because it explains the weak points of the system, and the way in which these produced many of the moral shortcomings in the men of the day. The question of slavery is viewed 
from an unprejudiced standpoint. Its influence on the depopulation of the provinces is clearly brought out, pages 206 through 10, but it is also shown that its economic effects in Italy were not altogether evil, and that slave labor by no means drove free labor from the market, pages 213 through 22. The author holds with Wallen, footnote, Historie de l'Escalavage, end of footnote, and Seek, footnote, Geschichte des Untergangs der Attican Welt, end of footnote, that the unrestricted manumission of slaves had on the whole an injurious effect on Roman life and character. The Roman idea of religion, so puzzling to the average student, is nowhere more clearly explained than in the last chapter. And here as elsewhere, the treatment is so simple and plain, as well as scholarly, that no better book can be placed in the hands of a class. Social Life at Rome in the Age of Cicero W. Ward Fowler The Macmillan Company, 1909 Page X one 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 three six two. End of section fifteen. Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.